You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. Well, where has the time gone? You're watching the first half of Discovery and Prodigy, then the holidays come along and you're just lost in a void until this moment. It's 7 p.m. Pacific. It's Monday night. It can only mean the return of Mission Log Live. I'm John Champion. I'm Holly Amos, and tonight we are happy to be back with all of you, our Star Trek pals, while we catch up and get a glimpse of what is in store for the new series. That's a series plural, because they keep coming. Yes, they do. And also tonight, we are thrilled to welcome a very special guest, someone who gets to peek behind the scenes in ways that few people do. It's Alexander Wood, who just happens to be the visual effects supervisor for Star Trek Discovery and the upcoming Star Trek Strange New Worlds. So get your questions and comments ready and give us a call. You know how to do it. Click on the Zoom meeting link or use the one tap from your smartphone or call us at 699-900-6833. Enter the meeting code and the password and then you'll be in the Earl Green room. And then you pass. <laughs> and then, yes. I, all right. You had to look at the numbers this time because it's been a little while. We've been off. No, for... no. I looked away. Yeah, I don't, to make sure. No, no I looked yeah. away. I still know it. Okay. All right. 699-900-6833. Everybody knows it at this point, right? Uh, but if you don't, you just click on the Zoom because, hey, we like to see you all as we talk to you. And speaking of seeing all of you, how about a look in the chat room right now at Facebook where people are saying hello. Uh, by the way, very nice to see right at the top and with the little diamond top fan. You know who that is? It's Bob Amos. Hi, Dad. <laughs> so, My mother is watching, too. Hi, Mom. Awesome. Awesome. So <laughs> he's there. Uh, there's Paul. Ooh, wait. There's a new Paul. So we might have four Pauls in the audience tonight. Well, now we can't call it a trifecta. We have to, we have to call it a Paul, a quad Paul fecta. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll work on some terminology. Earl is quicker than I am at stuff like that. So I'm sure he'll drop it in the chat. So we got a uh, bonus Paul tonight. We got Carlos. Uh, Carlos says, Dave, he's referring to Dave here. Uh, there's always time for mission log. Yes, there is. Uh, there is, uh, oh, let's see. There's Dave Takechi. There's Carlos. There is, uh, who else do we, ooh, Dave number two is there. There's Kalia. There is Kim. There's Jane. Uh, who else is in there? Somebody, oh, Brandon Rodriguez. Do you? Hi, Brandon. Fantastic. That's awesome. All right. Another <laughs> expert uh, in the field here. So uh, we got Cosmo and uh, wow, just a, a ton of people hanging out and all chatting amongst themselves. And remember, you know what to do. Make sure you click on the link. Make sure you pick up your phone and uh, and give us a call. All right. My oh, uncle is here. Is that Stephen? The one Stephen, saying hi, Holly? Stephen Madison is my uncle. Excellent. Excellent. Oh, wait. And the other Paul is saying, hi, Holly, I know your dad. Is it, should I just, should, should I could leave? I could just walk out and go refill my coffee cup and come <laughs> back later, you know? <laughs> so, my family is very supportive. <laughs> they are. That's awesome. I, I love it. Uh, oh, and, and Kalia says, bonus, he said my name correctly. Well, I, I saw the extra I in there. So thank you for thanking me. And uh, yeah, that's what, you know, we like to be accurate here. And if not, we'll take the correction. Um, oh, quite, uh, uh, wait, quadrupal. Qua, oh, quadrupal instead of quadrupled. Uh, yeah, God. so that that's Earl. So you get that kind of Earl influence when you get into the Earl Green Room. Yeah. So yeah, he's got it. He's got it. He's on top of this thing. All right. So enough of our uh, bantering. By the way, you know, again, just great, great to see you. I'm glad that we get to do this now after more than a month. Um, I hope everybody had great holidays and a happy new year. And here we are already into February. But but we took that time off because there is. So much Star Trek coming <laughs> in yeah. the next year. Uh, we will be here a lot. And, uh, well, why don't I just get to it and tell everybody what's up in uh, Roddenberry podcast land, because that will also affect what we're doing here on the live show. Now, remember, if you haven't picked it up yet, Mission Log has released the final episode of Deep Space Nine, What You Leave Behind. That's in the podcast feed right now. But don't worry, we have some excellent supplemental shows for the next few weeks as we count down our start to Voyager. 
we had our conversation with Nana Visitor. That is coming out this coming Thursday, and you do not want to miss that. It is so good. And exclusively for our Patreon subscribers, she stuck around with me and Norman to dig deep with us into her favorite DS9 episode. Don't that don't okay. Just don't spoil the episode. <laughs> but, no, no, I don't know okay. anything about it. I'm just saying it's lovely of her to have stuck around. That was so yes. sweet of her. She's awesome. She's so great. And there was a lot of cocktail talk because that's the other thing. When we have our <laughs> guests tonight, look, we may not talk about visual effects. We may just talk about favorite cocktails. That That is a mission log thing that we can do. So, um, yes, uh, don't miss Nana. And uh, go join Patreon if you haven't because you'll get the full interview there. And she is Awesome. Then the week after, we have a roundtable discussion based on your comments and questions. And then we have another very special guest joining us after that. So uh, that is TBA. Mission Log Prodigy is back with its final episode before the break, A Moral Star Part 2, which drops tomorrow, Tuesday morning. And then we have already lined up some special episodes to get us through the long break until Prodigy returns. Holly, you're watching Prodigy, right? I am not caught up. I was waiting until the break, and I'm going to binge it. I know. Okay. Horrible it's, of me. But it, that show is so good. It is. Uh, so I know. Good. I mean, I see people yeah. tweet about it, and I'm like, oh, I got to scroll past it because I haven't watched all yeah. of it yet. Yeah. But, and, yeah and then I'm, catch I'm what? And catch Norman and Ashley on Mission Log Prodigy because they are killing it. Absolutely, it is so good. Uh, and then finally, Mission Log the Orville will drop a happy refrain on Wednesday. That is the sixth episode of season two. If you haven't made it for the YouTube premiere live chat with Jessica and Mike on Wednesday mornings. Go do that. Go follow ML Orville on Twitter, ML underscore Orville on Twitter to get the updates on that. Uh, but they are so much fun, and it's just a, a morning hangout while you get to see them doing their show for uh, Mission Log the Orville. And then Season 3 update. June 2nd is when that starts. So we will adjust our schedule to meet them there um, with, of course, plenty of Orville Season 2 as we wrap up that series. And... What about Mission Log Live? All right. Disco comes back this week on Thursday the 10th, and then Picard Season 2 starts on March 3rd. Well, we're going to have you covered there, too. Uh, some of the details, TBA, but uh, Holly, we've already talked about it. Of course, you're going to be around to finish up Disco with us. Of course, you're wearing the appropriate shirt tonight. Well done. <laughs> oh, you you got you to talk so they can see you. Well, I, you know, my Disco shirt. There you go. Nice. There you go. Oh, I'm behind my name, though. It's a disco, I swear, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we will be covering all of those overlaps. Disco will overlap with Season 2 of Picard, and then uh, Picard will overlap with Strange New Worlds a little bit, something like that, and then Prodigy comes back sometime. It's all happening. There's so much track. Those will overlap, but we will be here for you, and uh, we might just change up our format a little bit. So... There you go. Oh, by the way, Holly, if it isn't uh, inducement enough to watch Prodigy, and I know that you intend to. I know that it hasn't been like, oh, I'm not watching that show. No, no, no. Uh, I watched the I watched the first two episodes. Oh, yeah. Well, I was like, this is great, but like, I uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's a challenge to keep up with Discovery. Oh, well, of course, of course. A couple of questions here. Uh, Kalia says, can you watch Prodigy if you haven't seen Voyager yet? Yes, absolutely. So. Uh, because Janeway is just awesome no matter what. And, uh, you know, you, you don't have to have seen her. She is awesome in command either way you take her. But, hey, join us for Voyager starting in a month. And then, uh, oh, there it is. Carlos says, nine-year-old Carlos cries every time he watches Prodigy. Because there was no prodigy then. And uh, you're right. You know what? It, it is. There are some very emotional scenes in that show. And that just shows you the power of great storytelling told through animation. It's so good. And then uh, Rand, Rand says, my 42-year-old loves prodigy too. It's me. I'm the 42-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done, Rand. Uh, and Mike says uh, to Kalia, yes, but it will make you want to watch Voyager. So yes, yes, it, oh, it will make so. you want to watch Voyager. And Kalia, yes, join us, stick with us on Mission Log to uh, to get your Voyager Janeway fix. Um, we actually just recorded our first one, and uh, I'm very proud of it. So stay Yay. tuned for that. All right. <laughs> 
enough of the update from the Mission Log world. And uh, all of you folks, you will want to call in or click the Zoom thing to meet our special guest. Um, his name is Alexander Wood, and he is the visual effects supervisor on Strange New Worlds. And I told him before the show tonight that uh, tonight's interview would be entirely about spoilers for Strange New Worlds. So <laughs> we're going to try to get him to violate his NDA, and uh, he will get removed. No, we don't want that. We don't say, so you know, you know. Uh, he is also the visual effects supervisor and on-set visual effects supervisor for Star Trek Discovery. We'll get into those differences in a moment, but let us give a warm welcome to Alex Wood. Alex, how are you doing tonight? Thank you very much. I'm great, actually. Thanks, John and Holly. Nice to meet you both. Pleasure to meet you. And I, I tell you what, let's start way back at the beginning, uh, pre-Trek. Now, uh, you, you asked us not to put you on the spot because you did not grow up with Star Trek, uh, like like some people who worked on the show, but obviously it's not a prerequisite, you know. Uh, but but take us back. I'm, before we even get into your professional stuff, where do your fandoms lie? Oh boy. Um, well, I, uh, I definitely, I definitely watched next gen with my parents. My dad used to be a big fan. He watched the original series and, and then next gen was always on in the house. Um, and so I've seen many, many episode and had the pleasure of working with Jonathan Frakes on uh, multiple occasions. And he's just absolutely wonderful. Uh, remind um, us who he is again. Um, <laughs> uh, he's just a director. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I hope guy. good. I, I hope good things for him. Uh, everybody, look him up at IMDb. Give him some support. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's he's new to the Star Trek universe. Yes. He's, he's making way. Um. So yeah. No. Originally, I. Uh, I mean, nerdy as it is, I think Transformers is where I spent most of my youth. I. Uh, yeah. Nice. I, and and maybe most of my adult life as well. Um. <laughs> So, so that's sort of my my main sci-fi roots in terms of uh, you know giant robots that can change into anything, um, and then all the space travel of uh, Star Wars and Star Trek, and you know I've just always been a huge fan of anything otherworldly. So uh, I've always been in the sci-fi realm. Very cool. Uh, by the way, we got an update in our audience. Alan reminding us that Jonathan Frakes, uh, host of Factor Fiction. So oh, yeah. that's yeah. Yeah. So in case anybody wasn't aware, uh that's where you know him from. Um It's funny he'll break those out on set. No. <laughs> or wait. fiction. Yeah, yeah. For real. Wait. It's seriously? really fun. Yeah, yeah. So anytime there's just some random random moment, he'll just say to the rest of the crew, fact or fiction. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god okay yeah, really uh, first great. of all that's awesome D does he do the uh the random uh stream of consciousness questions though like he must be aware of the supercut of jonathan frakes on factor fiction like what's he, the he, tallest he person yes. you've ever seen mm -hmm. oh yeah 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 no he totally he actually showed us that he introduced <laughs> oh. me to that no. yeah. oh, he's so yeah. proud <laughs> he's so proud of it he loves it yeah, he loves the uh, he loves the whenever people uh, make him a meme or uh, do those fun kind of cuts with his stuff. Yeah. He oh, loves it. okay. All right. So Alan, who in our audience, who uh, rightfully he just said, "My life is complete." He is the <laughs> meme master of Mission Log, and every episode we get a fresh Jonathan Frakes factor fiction meme. Uh, to go along with every episode of Mission Logs. So that what just happened tonight, that story, that just, that, that was a moment. So I, I, I you know. <laughs> there you that, go. That Doesn't Jonathan break into like song and dance sometimes on set? Oh, all the time. Yeah, I was going to say, that's probably his number one go-to. He And the most obscure Broadway, like or off-Broadway songs, most of them I've never heard of, but he just goes for it. <laughs> Hilarious. I like that story because I did yeah, that for 15 years, so I appreciate yeah, it. I hope he's not listening because cool. I'm sure I have embarrassing stories for him. Well, I mean, these are public. Yeah. Like, I already knew that. Yeah, I, yeah. He, he, <laughs> it's not a secret. Like, <laughs> <laughs> No, he's absolutely lovely. But yes, he will randomly break into song and dance uh, and and sometimes carry it right into like when we're already rolling, he'll just keep going, you know, <laughs> sing his way into action. 
Okay, now wait, wait a minute, because uh, maybe you can clarify this too, because Michael here in the chat says, I thought they all sing. So is it just that Frakes is sort of leading the pack, or...? Uh, I mean, definitely on Discovery, there's uh, there's song and dance, especially when you get the main bridge crew together. They uh, they will belt out some tunes. Well, um, you can get you Anthony rapping. Yeah, exactly. Anthony and Wilson, they they like to get into it for sure. But Tanika will get in there. And, uh, actually, uh, Mary loves to. She's usually the one who's uh, doing it with uh, Jonathan Frakes. It's his his duo. Nice. Is Mary. Yeah. I love it. Be happy right. that they have a good time on the set. Oh, indeed, yeah. indeed, yeah. All right, so well, let's come back a little bit here to uh, to your career because I believe this already the behind the scenes stuff is fantastic. <laughs> um, but I, I so I want to ask you. All right, so we know a little bit about your fandom, and then at a certain point, you end up getting into the business. And I was very interested to see this, if uh, IMDb source of all knowledge can be trusted, that uh, on Warehouse Thirteen. You, well, first of all, you had been a PA on other mm-hmm. productions. And on Warehouse yep. 13, you go from assistant to the producer to associate producer. <laughs> and this yeah. is all happening at a pretty young age. Walk us through that real quick. And and what was that the intention? Is like, oh, okay, I'm going to get in here on the ground floor and then boom, 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 work my way up to production? Yeah, I mean, I think that, that was sort of always the plan. I had the very fortunate uh, experience of working with the producer on that show, Mark Winemaker, um, who really mentored me and, uh, you know, took me through the process of, of creating television and film and, um, was so gracious to help me excel my career into the associate producer role. And, uh, it was actually warehouse 13 that because I'd done so many visual effects meetings and it was quite visual effects heavy, I'd sat in all the visual effects meetings, done all the visual effects breakdowns and budgets and everything like that. And that's what pushed me into visual effects is that uh, I was like, you know what? Producing is not really for me. And I'd rather, you know, play imaginary all day. Well, okay, but how does that go? Because it it feels like, please, please correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, there's a different skill set moving into visual effects? Or so what what was the learning curve there? For sure. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely had an art background. Um, I have always been able to draw, thankfully, um, and uh, always interested in the behind the scenes of how things were made. I used to read through all the Jurassic Park and the Godzilla and the Independence Day books of all their, you know, behind the scenes, how they did it, that kind of stuff. So I love the models and the sci-fi aspect of, uh, you know, creating uh, illusions in camera. And so that sort of pushed me in that field. I almost went into special effects makeup, actually doing like creature design and that kind of stuff. But, you know, in the end, it, it wound up being that the associate producing of it all taught me to schedule and budget. And that was easily translatable into visual effects because it's so, um, you know, aside from the art side of things, it is definitely a business and you've got to stay within a box and, and figure out how to make it the most interesting inside that box. So um, that kind of translated really nicely into supervising. It was actually the the compositing side of things that was sort of a learning curve more than the production side of things. So I went in to visual effects on the actual production side of things on set and then moved into the studio side of things. Um, working in post and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's been an interesting, interesting last couple of, uh, last too many years, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Never want to admit how many years it's been. Oh, it's been, oh, yeah, actually, now I'm, <laughs> now I'm realizing how long it has been, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's been yeah, a few exactly. years, but okay. So eventually, this brings you to Star Trek Discovery, and mm-hmm. um, and I, I do. I, I will ask you to make that distinction for us here then uh, between visual effects supervisor and on set visual effects supervisor. Is that uh, because it's a different title for Strange New Worlds? You are VFX supervisor, not on set. So help us uh, disambiguate and uh, detangle this. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, uh, it's sort of right in the title in terms of the onset stuff is literally just the production side of things. So while we're shooting uh, for the first season, season and a half of Discovery, I was strictly on set. Um, and uh, Jason Zimmerman and Ante, uh, oh my gosh, don't make me pronounce his last name, were <laughs> <laughs> uh, both the uh, VFX, lead VFX supervisors who brought me on, and uh, they were so gracious and, and have been amazing to work with. Um, but they handled all the post side of things and trusted me to handle all the shooting side of things. So I would be on set. Um, every day while we were filming the show and telling the directors and actors what they could or could not imagine, um, what they were staring at when they were just looking at a green screen or, you know, how to pet an invisible tardigrade, those kind of things. It's a great skill to have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then, you know, then the VFX supervisor of it all, um, when they gained that title, I mean, I, I was already a VFX supervisor, but coming on to the show, I, I joined as the onset supervisor. Um, but uh, gaining that title with Strange New Worlds and Discovery, it meant that uh, I also got to do all the scheduling and budgeting um, as well as now working in the post side of things. So I get to directly influence some of the creative aspects of, you know, why, why there's light in certain places and why there's not. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, uh, Kalia in our chat asks here, what is your favorite part of production? And um, I imagine that that could be a wide open range of answers for you. So I'll let you interpret that however you please. Um, for me, it's probably that, uh, you know, being in the position I'm in now, especially with Strange New Worlds coming up, is seeing something that you've talked about with the art department, with the executive producers and the directors, you know, a year in advance or more, talking about that specific shot and how we're going to accomplish something and, and the complexities of, of each piece, because a lot of scenes are broken up into many different uh, types of shots and therefore require different kinds of effects and different kinds of styles when we actually create those shots. And then the fun part is actually seeing them once they've been edited and we're now adding the effects and making sure that it's all congruent with what we originally set out to do. Um, and so that's a pretty cool aspect to it. And, you know, it's, it's some of the teams, we've got vendors uh, all over the world that just amazing amazing artists and so when you start to see these pieces or these shots come back and they look fantastic you're just like mm -hmm. you know it's just so much fun <laughs> nice well that, i was actually going to ask if you like get emotional when you see something in its final form knowing that like you were there from the beginning to planning totally yeah totally um yeah there's a lot i mean you know, sometimes I have to catch myself when I'm just watching the cuts, trying to look for VFX shots or certain aspects that I, I get caught up in the story. And then I'm like, oh, I remember shooting that. That person cried there. Or that person got interrupted by Jonathan Frakes there. Or, you know, it's all those kind of <laughs> moments. But uh, definitely, especially some of those like really complex shots or, or, you know, when it was a really hard day on set or or even at times when you're like, there's no way this puppet's going to work. And then when you see the full CG shot and you're like, this is beautiful, <laughs> you know, that's kind of, uh, not nice. to, not to discredit the puppet, the puppeteers and the, all the special effects makeup team are all amazing. But, uh, you know, sometimes it's just nice to be right. Very cool. <laughs> Well, hey, look, we do have a couple of uh, callers standing by who we'll get to here in just a second. And, uh, Michael, I see your comment in the chat, which is uh, a question that I have as well. So we will come back to that. Uh, but first up, we have from our very own Mission Log Orville podcast, Captain Mike. It's Mike Richards. So, Mike, and, and you're, of course, calling from the appropriate location. <laughs> How are you doing tonight? Hey, uh, New Horizons, right? So I got the uh, I got the, the ship. <laughs> All I set up, it. so some VFX from the uh, the other show. But uh, thanks so much for for being on here. This is this is a great opportunity for us to talk about how things get made and just the the unbelievable amount of creativity that folks like yourself put behind these shows. 
And, you know, I was just kind of scanning down your IMDb page and I saw that you worked on a show, you worked on The Expanse, which is kind of a very hard science fiction show. And to go from that to uh, maybe a more futuristic, something that is more, more theoretical science, is that, is that a big sort of change in mindset for you and how you approach things? And, and uh, do you find one more constraining and one maybe a little bit more or just what are your thoughts on the two different styles? Uh, total, yeah, that can definitely play a huge factor, especially on set when you're talking to the actors or, uh, or directors or even the writers in prep. Um, I know, uh, Jason Isaac's, uh, first season was, was really big into making sure that everything worked physically and, uh, with the appropriate physics for the universe, really. And that's something that the Expanse team definitely prides themselves on is, you know, they've got reverse thrusters where they've got to spin their ship around and fire their thrusters to slow down out of any kind of speed. And, you know, that kind of attention to detail is amazing. And I, I, I always have been a huge fan of physics. So I love following the rules like that. So there's definitely frustrating moments when I'm like, I don't know the programmable matter can do that, but okay. You know, so it, it, it's, it can be a challenge to uh, sort of, create new aspects to uh things that you sort of think are in stone as as that's something i've learned and i don't know that i want to change that or you know or what you sort of pick your battles with the actors or the directors and say well gravity would pull you that way actually or (laughs) you know everybody's leaning this way so the ship's got to go that way at least everybody's got to lean the same way (laughs) shift uh do you guys ever interact with any of the science advisors like directly? We do. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think you've had Erin on uh, yeah. the show a few times. Um, Today's her birthday, yeah. isn't it? Is it? Oh, I, I don't know. it is. <laughs> Happy birthday, Erin. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we speak to, uh, yeah, we get a lot of, we have a lot of theoretical conversations with Erin, and she sees a lot of the uh, early filmscapes from the art department. Um and so then it sort of becomes a budgetary thing, whether we can follow through on all of the appropriate looks and, and how we tell those stories. Because sometimes it's just challenging to fit everything into, you know, the limited amount of shots that we have to try and explain a black hole or a DMA. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's DMA, great. And that's, we still don't know what it is. Yeah. And that's what I, makes I'm it not sure I still know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the, that'll be the big reveal. Um, but for, for us, for somebody like, you know, myself with a, with an interest in science and an interest in physics and engineering uh, to see things that we know now sort of extrapolated out. When I was a kid and I watched the original series, it kind of looked like to me at the time, not the smartest guy, it looked like a natural extension of the Apollo space program and, and kind of the shuttle program. And you could see, you could see us evolving to that. And uh, with that, what's nice with Star Trek traditionally is that there have been rules, right? You, and you have to play within that, within that sandbox of, you know, you can't, uh, you can't bring people on board when the shields are up and you can't do, you know, you can't fire when you're a a cloaked bird of prey and those kind of things that, 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 that internal consistency, I think is, is important for the story. And I think it's important for the uh, willful suspension of disbelief. And I imagine uh, anything interesting is they're going to be sort of that um, traditional, uh, those traditional rules going to be followed that we've seen before in strange new worlds. If you can even talk to us about that. I I was just about to say, you're going to absolutely love strange new world, (laughs) strange new worlds uh, without giving anything away is, a, it's just us. You you, you can tell. Yeah, us. it's just us. Nobody's <laughs> just listening. Us. Um, uh, it is definitely an homage to the original series, and it for anyone who liked the original series, it's going to just give you all the feels because it is so good. It really is. Well, See, I tell this you is what. why I was excited that everybody was like anybody who doesn't like any of the new Star Trek. I'm like, okay, but there's going to be something coming yeah. for you. Oh yeah, you will like. So like. The old schoolers that are really a stickler, like I really love TOS. I'm like, I think you're going to like Strange New Worlds then. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like you don't like the others, but Strange New Worlds, I think, is going to be your cup of tea. 
Isn't that nice? Yeah. Little little something for little, everybody. If exactly. it's if you don't like everything, that's yeah. fine. There's at least something for you. Yeah, yeah, something something for everybody. Um, I will let you go because I know you have another you have another caller. Wait, wait, um, uh, Mike, Mike, I, I want you to hang on for for just okay. a second. We are, we are going to go to the the quick crass commercialism here for a second, but I I want you to hang on because there's a question here from Alan that I'm going to pose to all of you, and then when we come back uh, after my shameless shilling, I will ask you for your answer. And Alan asks, you can add one alien character to Strange New Worlds or disco what species of alien are they and what crew position do they have all right so the three of you get to think about that or other caller who's standing by we'll come back to that as well a little bit later with you so while you're all contemplating and michael i promise i'm going to get to your question as well um i I'm going to beg people to go over to Patreon. <laughs> so uh, you have heard us talk about it before, patreon.com slash mission log. Why would you want to join our Patreon? Well, I mentioned it at the top of the show. Our interview with Nana Visitor, for one thing. We did that last week, and yes, the actual episode will drop for free to everybody this coming Thursday. But if you joined us on Patreon, A, you got it early. B, you got the video of that interview, not just the audio. And C, you get the entire uncut discussion where we stopped and we asked Nana to talk to us, do a mini mission log deep dive into her favorite episode of Deep Space Nine. And that was spectacular. Uh, it, just in about 15 minutes, we got to cover all the bases and talk about morals, meanings, messages, what it all means, and the power of her favorite episode. Not going to tell you what it is here. That is for all of our friends over on Patreon. So check it out. If you want to get it early, you can get it right now by joining us there. Or if you want to listen to it on Thursday and then join to uh, watch and listen to the whole thing later, you can certainly do that. Something else coming up, we have our entire uncut DS9 roundtable discussion. That's me and Norman and Earl with your questions and comments. The entire uncut show will be released there on Patreon. The audio only will go out uh, to the general feed. And then the exclusive only for Patreon are what we left behind discussions. So we talked about the documentary. Then we're going to come back for a weekly After Dark session to get your comments and, uh, and thoughts on that. So all of that, early access to the shows, exclusive swag, so much more and exclusive access to the Mission Log Discord, which, quite frankly, is my favorite social platform at the moment, chatting with all of you, our Star Trek pals, talking with us, your Star Trek pals. What are you waiting for? Patreon.com slash Mission Log. We will see you all there. Okay, with me shamelessly debasing myself, with that being over now, I get to come back to the show <laughs> and ask the three of you Alan's question... Alan wanted to know what alien species you would add to either DS9, uh, sorry, Disco or okay. Strange New World. I know, right? DS9 on the mind. Uh, what alien species are they and what crew position do they have? Holly, you go first. Okay. This is because I know that we've recently seen them in Prodigy. Spoilers. Um, I want to see them live because i want to see how their makeup specifically their hair would get done it would be in disco i want to see a kazan oh okay and i know that they're in the delta quadrant we can figure <laughs> something out um yeah i'd really like to see a kazan i'd like to see how their hair would be done and i think it would be interesting to put them in a position in which they were like a counselor or something because there was so much um discord between the different sects of of Kazons, um, I like a community. I don't know. Maybe maybe kind of like what Neelix did on Voyager. I'd like to see him in a position like that, or or a psychologist counselor situation. Interesting. Okay, very good, uh, <laughs> Captain Mike. You know, I would like to see a uh, uh, either a CGI or maybe with physical um, prosthetics uh, a uh, Erix. From the animated uh, series. That's a better yeah. answer. Dang. <laughs> I, I think I think the timing fits in well, and uh, I think it, I think we're at a stage technologically uh, 
that we could pull I it off. I say from my seat to the visual effects guy who's probably <laughs> like, oh, God, you just made my job so much harder. <laughs> uh, I always hoped if they made a third or a fourth um, Abrams film that Eric's would be replacing uh, Chekhov. That it, would, yeah. that it would be there because he replaced that character on the animated series. Interesting. You know, my first thought was uh, Medusa Navigator because they're yeah. supposed to be such awesome navigators. But uh, we have one in Prodigy now and it would be uh, they'd be just living in a box anyway. <laughs> uh, it doesn't make my job harder for the full CG character. I'd rather have the full CG character. <laughs> I love we love doing full CG. Um, yeah. Uh, for me, I would bring Linus over to Strange New Worlds as the uh, transporter chief, just so every time somebody beams in, he's just got some great lines. We've got posters all over set that just uh, that have a photo of Linus that says, Linus says, relax. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, awesome. Linus is a great character. He is. And uh, by the way, Earl uh, from the Earl Green Room chiming in saying, saying, communications officer Murph or, or whatever Murph is something like Murph. I just want to know what they do with the little earpiece. So yes, Earl will, uh, will put in a, uh, a bid for a, a CG or somehow rendered Murph. Um, uh, although would he sort of be like uh, Yafid on, uh, on Orville, just a little, little blob moving around, uh, just maybe the cuter personality. Murph's a little more cuddly. Yeah, he is. He, he is way cuddly. All right, Mike, <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us tonight, and uh, we'll we'll catch you later. And everybody who has not planned on it, make sure that if you're not downloading Mission Log the Orville, do that, and make sure you join us on uh, youtube.com slash Prod and look for the Mission Log Orville playlist there, among all the others, and then join Mike and Jessica live on uh, Wednesday morning to talk about the latest episode. Thanks so much, John and Holly, and it's always a good day when the puppet works. Thank you very much. <laughs> Take care. Take care. David Takechi says, so much time has passed. Kazon now advises Federation on how to implement peaceful relations. Oh, whoa. That's good. See, that that's David. He's taken that that next gen lesson about what happens 80 years after our our battles with the Klingons. When do you get to that next step with them? So I just want to see Spongehead again. (laughs) What are they gonna do? Are they gonna use sponges again? God, I hope they would use sponges again. That would be so cool. Excellent. All right. So uh, I also want to ask, and uh, Sheree is standing by patiently, and uh, we will get to you momentarily, and we'll also pose that same question to you about alien species joining the uh, the crew. But uh, Alex, I, I want to throw something at you here that is from one of our listeners, and that is Michael in the chat. And he says, are there any plans to use a volume set for a trek and i believe we know what he's talking about here which is you've been watching shows like the mandalorian uh you know that so much of that show is produced with a blend of uh, kind of uh, careful use of physical props and then this just incredible live 3d rendered space um that is honestly mind-blowing and and look alex i'm the first to admit that I'm somebody who, during that transition from practical effects to CG, I wanted nothing to do with it, and I hated it, and it was awful, um, and I still think that the Enterprise and the motion picture is the most beautifully photographed, perfectly rendered model spaceship ever filmed, uh, but I also was very glad for the days that I started to get fooled by CG. And especially I think what we're doing now, which is this blend of practical and CG that can make that do miraculous things, as you were saying, like like a puppet. So let's talk about the volume a bit and how that fits into your workflow or will or won't. Yeah. Uh, Alan says, I'm sorry, Alan says volume is a holodeck. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly, exactly what it is. Yeah. yeah, it's funny. It's funny. Actually, we uh, we do shoot on one of those volumes. Uh, we've been shooting on it for all of season four of Discovery, and we will again in season five. And none um, of you people knew. 
So <laughs> that's how good it I'm, is. I'm sure some people knew, but <laughs> Michael fooled you. Fooled Michael. Uh, <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah, and actually, Strange New Worlds is uh, utilizing it as well. And uh, you know, it's kind of the competition back and forth between the two shows to say, you know, who can do it better. Um, oh. And so there, there's sort of some uh, interesting uh, banter back and forth between the executive producers and showrunners. Um, but no, we do actually shoot on one of those volumes. And uh, it's funny, the first season we shot there, I guess that was uh, last season of Discovery, season four, um, they called it the holodeck. And they had holodeck <laughs> nice. signs all the way up around it. Um, but yeah, it's a massive, massive space. Uh, one of the largest in North America that we shoot on. And uh, very interesting, a huge learning curve in terms of, you know, going from green screen over to something where you've got to make something in advance instead of fixing it in post, as most people like to say. Well, yeah, so that was my question is, what does it do for you, somebody whose brain has been, uh, you know, had to have been retrained a little bit over your career anyway, this is one of those just sort of massive changes, a paradigm change in how effects are created. And I mentioned going from models to CG, that was a, a whole industry that just changed in, in a very quick time. Now we're doing it with sets and actors. How does that change uh, for you? Yeah, I, I mean, that's been one of the challenges for the past two years, actually, is um, figuring out, you know, what are these limits? What are the new kind of uh, realms that we can kind of push what we see and how we see it uh, practically because when we're actually on set and being able to see our virtual world behind us blended with our real world, you get all the appropriate lighting and, um, and reflections, especially when you look at like a glass or through a visor or something on a helmet, you get all these amazing um, appropriate reflections for the environment. It really puts the characters there. So, and it actually helps the actors as well to to imagine what they're seeing and and where they are. Um, and so, in that regard, it's it's super helpful for us because you wind up being able to shoot so much more footage, seeing the cool thing than you normally would have. Because if we were shooting something like the Discovery Shuttle Bay, is a good example. Uh, it used to be all green screen there was only one wall one mm. practical wall where the ramp was and so anytime we were shooting a scene there you you would if you go back and look at some of the earlier seasons you probably would look at it and see you know there's one or two big wide shots where we see the whole shuttle bay and then the rest mm. of it looking back towards the actual ramp or the door or into crates you know little tricks to try and cheat us away from green screen which costs x amount of dollars to shoot every shot right and so it's charged by the shot so every time we cut back to uh a view that sees green screen or sees you know cg that's money and mm -hmm. so with the ar wall it's not that it necessarily is a lot cheaper mm -hmm. it but it affords you the ability to shoot your world as much as you want in a scene and so you can put your characters right at the edge of a cliff or, or, you know, on the hull of a ship and be looking out into space and have a conversation. And the whole thing feels like you're in that environment, which is really cool. Oh, my so God. That, I'm so excited for Strange New Worlds. I know, right? And like, so now just I'm your, imagining all the things. Yeah, just your, <laughs> your take on it. I mean, do, do you think this is an easier time than for the actors because they can kind of look around them and see that space so must be easier sure. than working with a green screen yes absolutely yeah and and that i think comes out in a lot of the performances being able to actually stand and um you know without giving anything away there's the scene where spock is literally standing looking out over a vista mm. and it's something you would never get the same kind of reaction from an actor not a true reaction as when they can actually sit there and stare at something that they've never seen before. Um, so that's really cool. I think yeah. Carlos says, are, are there still tennis balls or, <laughs> <Yeah>. or <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, we we use tennis balls sometimes, mainly for eye lines. But uh, yeah. you know, with something like the ball, with the we call them the AR wall, but the holodeck volume, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. um, they uh, they'll put up you know a, a dot or something on the screen when there's a creature or something they need to follow with their eye line, and it actually just moves across the screen so they can watch it go. Wow. And we're all looking at the same thing. Um, one of the things, though, for the actors is that uh, when you get into a scene where it's something like warp, uh, we had the shuttle um, in in the last season of Discovery in uh, episode four, when they when Tilly's taking the crew or the ensigns down to the ice planet, mm-hmm. we shot a whole scene where they're in warp, and so it was all shot practically. There's no CG inside the shuttle. Wow. It's, other than, you know, the holograms and floating chairs of it all. But um, the warp around is practical. And so you get all these great reflections off the glass and they can see that they're at warp. But it is so disorienting in the volume <laughs> because you've just got all this stuff flashing past you and it's like your whole peripheral, you can't see anything else. And so it can be disorienting when it's moving so quickly. That is so cool. Sounds like they're like out on a ride at Disneyland. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure sure many of the people there, both actors and behind the scenes people are just sitting there like what weird jobs we have. (laughs) We say it all the time. We say it all the time. (laughs) Nice. Well, hey, let's welcome our next caller to the show, Cherie. And Cherie, you know I'm going to put you on the spot here because we posed that question about uh, what alien species you would like to see moved into disco or or strange new worlds and what role they would have. So uh, welcome to the show and uh, let us know your thoughts. Um, well, I was, I just kept thinking through that whole time. Like mine's not a very necessarily the most visually effects um, interesting answer. And it's more of a coming back rather than a never been on it before at all. But I want to see what's up with the Klingons a thousand years later. We haven't oh. seen them at all, and I I know some people there was there was controversy about the whole Klingon storyline, whatnot. But you know, I don't th- necessarily think it even needs to be a whole storyline, but just like, yo, what happened with them? <laughs> they're they're a very big Star Trek, you know, foundational race, and the interesting to know what happened with them (laughs) there's so many there's so many that we see just sort of sprinkled in the background like we could just you know stand next to that i'm gonna gonna say in the background would be like because it's like where'd they go (laughs) yeah a, a thousand years later, there's still some poor Klingon. He's, he's like the Grail Knight in uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, down there with his finger on the the trigger for the uh, you know the bomb at the center of their planet. Just like okay, just just still, I'm I'm not going to set this off. I promise, you know. Just that that's his job. Uh, so, Cherie, welcome to the show. And uh, thoughts, comments, questions for our guest uh, Alex tonight. So this is going to be very specific. And I don't know if this even falls in line so much as special effects are kind of more what you were saying your original job was, which was like creature effects and makeup and stuff. So mm-hmm. I don't know if it's even relevant to what you do, but I I love the Andorians. I'm like obsessed with them. Um, they're one of my favorite uh, Star Trek species. Uh, Shran is like one of my favorite characters. <laughs> Good old Jeffrey Combs. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And one of the things uh, that I loved about them in Enterprise was their little, like, moving antenna. Um, but uh, I noticed they don't, they move, like, a little bit in Discovery, but not nearly as much. And I was just wondering, like, um, if there was any discussion as to where you would go, you guys would go with the Endorian antenna, or if it's just be that's obsessed with that. <laughs> uh, I mean, I we do, um, we will do an antennae shot every now and again where, um, you know, something specific to the story where we need to see a reaction or something like that. We need to make some antennae twitch or however you want to do it. But uh, yeah, it's, it's sort of few and far between in discovery only because um, those kind of costs, I think sometimes fall to the, the backside of things. Whereas uh, discovery is a show that really loves to put, you know, big effects on screen. And so they like to 
spend their money on all the Tunde and Michael Bay style <laughs> shots. Um, but uh, no, they're very fun to have on set. The Andorians. Uh, uh, yeah. Everybody likes getting dressed up as an Andorian. We, yeah. we get them all the time. So that little antenna twitches that they do on Discovery, are those, like animatronic or are those CGI or mixed? They're CG, yeah, yeah. We'll <laughs> do them. Yeah. Uh yeah, there's not a lot of animatronic stuff on Discovery. Um, whereas Strange New World likes the animatronics a bit more. Um, and so there'll be some interesting characters you might like. Uh, coming up. Oh, I, I'm really excited for Hemmer. Speaking of my particular oh, focus, yes. um, I the love fact Hemmer. that he's in ANR is really is really exciting for me. Um, he's so great. <laughs> well, oh, hopefully, he's yeah. still. I feel like I feel like you're Sherry. You're probably very disappointed, like that the most <laughs> play that an Andorian got his antenna were gone. Like, yeah, no, in the story, the, the, the guy whose antenna were, were chopped off. I felt I felt bad for him. I just felt bad for him. Of course. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> of course. Uh, but by the way, uh, going back to our discussion about, you know, what kind of species would show up. I, I love this. David in the chat says, I want to see a Horda captain. <laughs> that that is pretty rad and rand yes uh, uh we beat you to it with the uh the adosian uh lieutenant erics um that that would just be awesome so i think it, it, clearly there is a majority here who want to see that so we're all pressuring alex quite a bit to make that happen that uh, look we know that you know writing a script here or a that is not your choice you know casting but we're just saying like you have the power of the visual effects you could just create an adosian to have in there and and they, they may not even notice they're like wait what's that guy that well yeah he's he's there in the script didn't you read it sure if one was even just in the background, yeah. like there'd just be a plethora of Star Trek fans that are like that Leonardo DiCaprio meme where we're just like, oh, yeah. oh, it, juggling. He, he's juggling. Too. He's just walking <laughs> in the background, juggling with all three of his hands. That that's what we want to see. Yeah, there you go. I'll text. I'll text some of the writers right okay. now and make <laughs> okay, it happen. Very good. <laughs> very good. Um, and I have to. Add, this is a very specific question, and I feel like if I don't ask it somebody will and you know you have so much uh say over the the visual effects that that happen here you're the supervisor after all uh flamethrowers on the bridge of discovery whose call is that is that you is that somebody else <laughs> you, where, do you, okay. Where, okay, where do you land on it before <laughs> <I answer? laughs> he okay. wants to know whether or not to admit that it was it's yeah. I'll preface I'll preface it with this. Uh, Kiss was my first concert, so I'm not unfamiliar with the concept of flamethrowers shooting off on a stage. I will say I will say that there is a particular showrunner, executive producer, supervising director mm. that really really loves the flamethrowers on set, on the bridge especially um but uh yeah no that's special effects but uh we often have to hide the cannon that's producing the flame and they actually call them dragon farts on set <laughs> ah, nice, uh, nice. Yeah. so uh but very fun i mean they have so much fun doing setting off those things and setting off the explosions and uh, honestly, we get so many shots that we have to paint out spark mats on the floor so that the floor doesn't catch on fire and all those kind of things. Oh, wow. Can, yeah. can you, by the way, just uh, as we're kind of getting into the weeds here and people might be interested to know, talk about the difference in visual effects versus special effects and where your your lives kind of intersect. Sure. Yeah. So special effects, um, I, I, it used to all sort of be one and the same in the sense that a long time ago, all the modelers and all the, you know, little um, puppeteers and all those kind of uh, people would interact with the special effects department and create something practically. Um, now with computer generated things, we've sort of veered off in our separate directions. Um, special effects is all the practical effects that we can do on set so usually the spark hits the dry ice fog the doors um mm -hmm. closing uh 
the dragon farts of it all, <laughs> all those kind of explosions and um, really fun things that they get to do on set. Uh, and then we often will enhance. And that's sort of my favorite CG stuff is that you can kind of combine the two in the sense that, you know, they can do a really amazing explosion that we just put the phaser hit the phaser fire going to, you know, those kind of things. And so that's an interesting kind of blend of our two worlds or, or like I said, we'll paint out certain things for them to be able to have a bigger explosion or to blow up a screen on the bridge of disco that somebody can go through that kind of stuff. And we just, we will put, you know, the images back onto a, a clear plexiglass that they're going to shatter or those kind of things. So there is a nice little marriage between the two departments and uh, it's really fun being able to enhance and make each other look good. Very cool. Hey, Sheree, any other uh, thoughts or questions or comments tonight? Um, speaking of the, just the, like the aliens and the special effects and whatnot, uh, like what, like has been your favorite Star Trek alien to work on effects wise? Oh, well, there's one coming up in strange new world. That <laughs> I won't say anything about, um, it's not until episode nine, unfortunately. Um, so there's some really fun ones in there. Uh, the, um, the Kelpian monster last year. I mean, mm. that was so much fun. Uh, both to shoot it on set practically. We, we shot a version of it that was a contortionist and dancer on set. That uh, we went, Yeah, we wound up using a lot of their motion to motivate the character, but then when you actually see the final product, it's a, a CG replacement where we actually got the cloth and all the sort of smoky wisps moving around, and you can kind of see their head flap open, and it was really, really fun. Yeah. Cool. That's, but by the way, in the chat, uh, Alan says uh, Billups's mom's ship runs on dragon farts. <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong, Alan. You're, you're absolutely right. <laughs> awesome. Hey, Sheree, thank you so much for joining us tonight. And I uh, hope we will see you and, and everyone else uh, joining us again in the coming weeks as we dive so deeply into the return of Disco and then Picard Season 2. So uh, we'll say goodnight to you for now, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks for answering my questions, Alex. Yeah, of course. Nice to meet you. Thank you. Bye. Uh, Alex, I'm going to steal Cherie's uh, question and, and just modify it a little bit here. Uh, I guess I thought that was interesting about a favorite character. And I'm curious, you know, you get to see it all and sort of finesse these effects along, see them kind of grow and take shape. And I'm, I'm curious, because uh, there might be more than one moment like this, where there are effects, where there are moments where you're presented with it in its final form, you just go like, oh, wow, this is beyond even what I thought we would end up with. This is just the mind-blowing thing where truly the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, there's been a, there's been tons of them throughout Discovery, you know, that that creature actually got us our Emmy nomination and win um, last season. And uh, so that, when I first saw and and. Jason Zimmerman, the lead supervisor, he sent me a text when he, he's like, dude, you've got to see the monster in this episode. And, and I looked at the shot and I'm like, oh my God. He's like, that's our Emmy nomination right there. <laughs> and and you're right. Uh, yeah. Um, but uh, so that was truly amazing. And, you know, the stuff we're doing in Strange New World, I'm, super proud of and the first episode when it finally gets to air uh i think just the breathtaking views of the enterprise in the first episode just that reveal is going to be so good nice yeah. oh fabulous how, how big is your team by the way we actually have the largest department on the show yeah so last oh. season of so season four of um discovery no season three of discovery uh we had 550 artists work on, wow. on the visual effects department in some way shape or form yeah 
And I have to assume that they're all over the world. I mean, they are all over the yeah. world. Yeah. So we've got we've got a small team on set, um, usually about three to five people, and uh, then we've got a team in LA that handles uh, the post side of things and and production from the studio business side of things, um, which is a little bit bigger. And then we shop out shots all over the world to different vendors. Um, and uh, yeah, everybody's everywhere. Awesome. Well, hey, I, I hate it that we're out of time. I'm now even more so looking forward to Strange New Worlds, and I hope that we can have you back at a point that we've all seen these beautiful <laughs> shots, and uh, we'll talk yeah, exactly. about those as well. Excellent. Apparently after episode nine. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah I yeah. guess we'll have to wait that long, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to see your reactions for episode nine. I can't wait. All right, Alex, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Holly, thank you, as always, and we'll uh, see you again soon. Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Technical production on Mission Log and Mission Log Live provided by the indefatigable Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from Roddenberry Podcast. If you'd like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Thank you to everyone who joined us live or later. Stay safe stay healthy. We look forward to talking with you next week. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.